that was beautiful. And thank you, ladies, for helping us worship in song. Uh, it's so good to, to be together and to worship this evening. To take this time out shorter than a normal Sunday service, but enough time really to hopefully stop in our tracks um, and ponder and worship and kind of take in what God has done. Wonderful song to sing to start us. We're going to be looking for uh, this evening's message in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. I'm not going to project it. You don't need to read. If you want to, you can. But I'd encourage you as I read it, uh, just maybe to close your eyes, to listen better, just to hear God's word. And I trust through this, looking at his word, looking at the story, the truth of, of Christmas from his word, that our God will speak to us and help us to ponder what he's done and be changed by that. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. You are the living God and you speak to us and you make yourself known. And, and Lord, uh, the best Christmas present we could have is you. And Lord, uh, we're thankful for families and being able to be together and enjoy food and all these things. But, but most of all, we want you want to be with you, we want to hear from you, we want to worship you, Lord. To live is to worship you. It's what we're made for. So help us now as your word is read and taught to listen. Help me to serve uh, this as well, we ask. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Listen to God's word from John chapter 1. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. This section of Scripture, these four verses, are taken from an introduction to the entire Gospel of John. John is... The Apostle John is giving an introduction here, and, and he's already at this point introduced us to the Word, God himself, who's been uh, in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit, God the Son, from eternity past. So we've been introduced to the Word, and we're learning about the Word taking on flesh and, and why he came and what he came to do. So he's introducing us to Jesus here, but he's not just introducing us, he's actually calling us to respond. In these verses, he calls us to recognize him and receive him. Jesus wants us to recognize him and receive him. That's what this verse is teaching us, and that's really what Christmas is about. It's about recognizing Jesus and receiving him. In 19, I mean, in 2007, in January, uh, a man stood near the doorway to a metro t uh, station in D.C., and he played his violin. He played some Bach pieces and other uh, masterpieces for about 45 minutes. And, and during that time, about 1,000 people rushed by him. It was during rush hour. Uh, three minutes went by, and a, a middle-aged man noticed uh, him playing and stayed for a while, but then moved on. A minute later, um, someone gave him a tip. A woman gave him some money. A few minutes later, a, a man kind of leaned against the wall for a little while and listened and then moved on. A, 
A young boy, three-year-old boy, kept wanting to stay, but his mother led him forward. In the 45 minutes that the musician played, only seven people stopped and stayed for a while. About 20 gave him some money. He collected $32 in all in that time, mostly in small bills and pennies. And when he had finished playing and silence took over, only one person among the thousand that passed recognized that he was the world-famous violinist Joshua Bell, playing some of the most intricate pieces ever written with a Stradivarius violin worth $3.5 million. Two days before his plane in the subway, he had sold out at, at uh, Symphony Hall for about $100 a seat. He was playing there in, in the subway as part of an experiment sponsored by the Washington Post about perception and taste and priorities, and it revealed how easily we can be blinded to the truly exceptional. This passage is God's invitation to not be blinded, but to see, to see who Jesus is, to recognize who he is, and not just recognize him, but receive him. So verse 10 starts out, it says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This, this is remarkable, actually. He is the actual creator. He's God the Son. And, and as we read scripture, we learn that God the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit together co-created all that is, and so here is the master architect, the, the artist, the craftsman of all that is, the genius of all mankind, the one who's made mankind as the pinnacle of his creation. It's his creation, it's his world, it's his universe, and yet the world does not know him. It'd be kind of like if Albert Einstein showed up to the science museum and the security guards escorted him out, thinking he was a homeless guy looking to get warm. Mr. Science himself getting thrown out of the Science Museum would be ironic and tragic. Jesus showing up and not being known by his own creation is the extreme of irony and tragedy. And that's what this verse is talking about. But it goes on in verse 11. It says that he came to his own. His own people didn't receive him. Now it's the same idea but a little different. It isn't just the world in general. It's just not all of creation, all of humanity. It's his own people. His own ethnic people, his tribe, his, his village, even his own family, at least for a while, didn't receive him. Now, that's even more ironic and tragic because they were looking forward to him coming. They had been told about him coming for a long time. They they were desperate for him to come. They had been promised by God that, that he was going to send this, this king and this savior, this serving king, who would come and rescue his people, rescue his people from their sin and rescue his people from the evil of this world. And so they were eagerly looking forward to the Messiah coming. They were waiting for him and, and, and really even daily looking for the Messiah to show up. But his own people didn't receive him. They didn't get who he was. That's kind of like if you were going to be throwing a surprise party and all the guests were set up everything, they had decorated the room, and everyone was there, all the guests had been invited, and they're all inside, and, they're, and the lights are out, and they're kind of hiding behind the wall and ready for you to come in, and you come through the door, 
and they just look at you with blank stares like, who are you? What are you doing here? The surprise party's for you, and they miss you. That's what happened with Jesus. They are waiting for Jesus. They're looking forward to Jesus. They're, as a culture, uh, geared that way, learning about him, and he shows up, and they miss him. That's what this passage is telling us. And, and we may listen to it and think, well, yeah, that's, that's them back in those times. We wouldn't miss him. We wouldn't miss Jesus. We'd know it when he showed up. And I would submit to you that we do miss Jesus. And we miss him at Christmas time. We miss him at Christmas time for probably a lot of reasons. It's not for lack of information because we hear about Jesus at Christmas. After all, it is Christ's Mass. It's about him. It's his birthday. We, we know that as a culture. But we hear all these things. We sing these carols. And, and I think maybe we take it for granted. Our culture, I think, does in many ways. We see all these things that tell us that this is a remarkable person. We sing songs about God himself coming to earth, that this is God in the flesh. We, we, we're used to angels appearing. Angels, you don't see angels every day. We, we just kind of take it for granted that there's angels around and wise men seeking him. We, we know all these things, but in the flood of Christmas cheer, we can easily miss Jesus. He becomes a a mere Christmas decoration or part of a quaint carol. And we ourselves miss him. And he's given us his word. And he's brought you here tonight to invite you to recognize him and receive him to welcome him in, to welcome him into your life, wherever you might be, by the way. This verse is not just for, for those who have never come to that place of welcoming Jesus in their lives. It's for every believer. Every believer is to regularly welcome him in, recognize him, and receive him. For who he is. Verse 14, we didn't read this, it explains that he's God in the flesh, that he is the glory of God on display. The only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He is God with us. God Himself. And, and, and He is with us. And that is a reason to celebrate. It's, it's a reason to do more than what we celebrate at Christmas time. It's a, it's, it's a reason way more a, a re, than a reason to get together and be spiritual or celebrate holiday. God has come. He has become man, and he's come to show us his glory, reveal himself, and he's full of grace and truth. See, he was born in that stable and placed in that manger in order to live a fully human life. A life where he lived, really lived up to all the reasonable and right and good expectations God has for mankind that all of us have fallen short of. He didn't. He fulfilled those things. He was obedient Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was obedient to the Father in every way. He did all those things that we know we ought to do, but we often don't. He lived a full human life, a perfect human life. He fulfilled all righteousness, everything that mankind was expected to be and do. He was fully human and God in the flesh. Then did something amazing. He sacrificed that very precious life 
on the cross. He gave up that precious life, that beautiful life, that glorious life, that righteous life on the cross. And on that cross, he bore the sins of many, really any and all who would turn to him. He bore their sins and paid for our sins. The the penalty for sin is death. It's to be separated from God. There's a just penalty. There's, There's spiritual death that comes from our rebellion and turning away from God, and Christ took that on himself, on the cross, died for us, bore our sins, and offered himself in our place, so that when we come to him and we recognize and receive him through faith, we are so united with him that that God looks at us and says, Jesus paid for your sins, and I accept you on his behalf. You are righteous, you are accepted, as if you had lived the life he lived. He died the death We deserve to die so we could live the life in him he deserves to live. He earned in his righteousness heaven and all this glorious inheritance. And that is ours when we recognize and receive him. The wonderful thing about Christmas is that God showed up in our mess to rescue us. In our mess, in our, this crazy broken world, this crazy insane disposition we have to run the other way from God. It doesn't make any sense. He's always good, only good. Why do we do it? Why do we want to do things our own way? Why do we want to run from him? Why do we try to fashion him in our own understanding, in religious ways that are not pleasing to him? Why do we do that? The Bible tells us it's sin. It's this brokenness that's just, it's in our DNA. And we run from God, and we run away from him. And in his justice, he says, okay, here you go. Here's what it looks like to run away from me. That's what death is, spiritual death. And the brokenness that comes to our world from that as well, we see it all around us. The good news of Christmas is he didn't leave us to ourselves. He showed up, and he came to be a human to live and to die and to give himself for us, to rescue us from our mess, to give us true life, to grant us forgiveness, to reconcile us with God. That's our biggest problem. It's our broken relationship with God. That's the good news that comes with Christmas. He brought all this for us. It's all for us to enjoy forgiveness in life. That is, if we recognize him and receive him. That's where verse 12 in our section comes in. After talking about people not getting who he is and this tragic irony that goes on, it says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So all who do receive him, no matter what others might do, the others might miss him, but to those who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now it's interesting there, it says those who received him, those who believed in his name. It's, it's saying these things in parallel, believing and receiving him. That's important to get. They go together. It's not enough just to believe these things are true. The sort of believing that God calls us to is receiving. It's a believing that says, yes, I not only believe it's true, but I want it. I want it to be in my life, I wanted to run my life. I wanted to be the guiding principle of my life. I don't only 
don't only believe it, but I receive it as my own. That's what that's, this is talking about. This is what God is calling us to. This is what Christmas is about, to recognize him and receive him. Well, to tell another goofy metaphor that maybe will help you, um, think of it this way. You're in your house, and your neighbor, we'll call her Sharon, is walking up to the front door. She's got some cookies in her hands, and she comes to the front door, and she knocks on the front door. You look out your window, the living room window, and you, and you look and you go, oh, I think that's Sharon. Yep, that's Sharon. Um, I know it's her, and those, she makes really good cookies, and those cookies look really good. Yep, that's Sharon. And you go and you sit down and watch the TV. Well, Sharon knocks at the door. You believe that she exists, right? You believe in her. That's Sharon, the cookie baker neighbor. Makes really good cookies. But it makes no sense to go back and watch TV. You're not going to get any cookies unless your belief in your neighbor's existence and goodness the goodness of those cookies involves you answering the door and letting her in, receiving her, welcoming her into your house. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus knocks door of our lives. He says, I want to come in. I want you to believe in me. I want you to receive me. I want you to welcome me in. I want to be your Savior. I want to be the one who forgives your sins. I want to be the one who empowers you to live a new life. And I want to give you something better than cookies, because it says in verse 12 and 13, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What he brings is, is the right to become children of God, to, to be forgiven and received into the family of God, the royal family, and counted as a brother and sister belonging to God forever. And the royal inheritance that Jesus earns, which is most of all, him in our lives, filling us with his love and his presence. But we know when he returns, he'll make all things new. There'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more sin. And all that inheritance is ours when we receive him. So will you? If you already have, will you again? Will you say, Jesus, come in? And I... I don't want to have any area in my life, any place in my house where you don't dwell. I want you to come in and fill every single place. Every place that I don't want to look at, I want you to come in and rule and reign. Rescue me. Fill it with your life. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus arriving on the scene and inviting us to recognize and receive him. And if you've never done that, you can do it. Simply say, Jesus, I believe and I receive you. Be my Lord and Savior. Lead me in your ways. So before we sing the next song, just take a, a moment to pray and say silently, 
Come in, Jesus. I receive you this Christmas. And we'll continue to worship in song.